welcome back to The Wine Show. You've got Simon Nash and Richo Damani. And, um, Richo, we're going to have a chat to, to a bloke you know, um, Nick James Martin, and uh, his brand is Wines of Merit. Um, good morning to you, Nick. Uh, good morning, Simon, and good morning, Richo. How are you, mate? It's good to hear your voice. Yeah, nice to hear yours as well, and a little bit of Elton John to spice <laughs> up a Sunday morning. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, so you're, um, you're over in Margaret River this morning, and um, we've just been hearing up in the Yarra Valley, the up at, uh, Seville Estate, that's beautiful crisp morning up there. What's it like over in um, WA today in Margaret River? Cloudy overcast today, um, mild, but it's not raining, which is a plus for today. But yeah, we're just just about to enter the wet season for us. So yeah, Margaret is very much a, 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 a very wet winter sort of place. And, and you know, because you're from South Australia, but like, I don't know if I've ever asked you, how did you, I mean... <laughs> Was Margaret River somewhere you always wanted to work or was it just sort of serendipitous? Did it ha- how did it happen like that? Uh, I was lucky enough to spend quite a bit of time with Margaret in Margaret River when I was working for a French winemaking consulting company. Oh, and right. I loved visiting Margaret River. Yeah. And Sarah, Sarah, my wife, had spent some time living and working in rainforests up near Port Douglas, Cape Town. Cape Tribulation, right, and right. we were living in McLaren Vale, and we said the only other places in Australia we would live, apart from McLaren Vale near the beach, would be Margaret River and Port Douglas. Um, <laughs> we, we and we, we, we did, not, we not very specific, a, no, no, but also you can't get much further apart <laughs> in true. Australia than those two very, places. Very true, but they're both beautiful in their own way, and. Mm. Um, yeah, I got a job offer. I got headhunted to come and work for a winery in Margaret River. Um, and then the end result of that was that we were here and the job disappeared. And so we, we started Wines of Merit. Yeah. And tell us about Wines of Merit. Where does the, Firstly, where does the name come from? And, I mean, I just love the style of the labels and the whole shebang. I think it's I think they're very smart. Well, thanks, Richo. Um so Kathleen Merritt, my paternal grandmother, I was lucky enough to grow up on the farm that her parents, uh, Prim and Dick Merritt, pioneered and established and built the farmhouse and grew grapes and citrus. Um, so that farm was, was known as, as Merritt's Farm. And so we named the label in the honour of my grandmother and in yep. their quality farming approach. Um, so that's where the name comes from. And I guess it's a play on the, on, on making wines that are meritus as well. Mm. So, mm. so our merit is two R's and two T's. Um, but yeah, so it's a little bit of play on words, but also an honor to my grandmother and my farming stock and the farm that I grew up on in the Riverland. Mm. Um, so you know the wines, Richo, mm. um, quite well, um, where you are, your small batch um, wine. So, um, how do people, you know, get hold of them? Obviously, they can buy them online. But are you sort of out in retail um, in any sort of number? Um, in Melbourne, there's a little bit of retail at the Alps at the moment, and oh, yeah. we've just had a new. Our distributors just put um, somebody on the ground again in Melbourne. So I'll be over in early July. Hello, Melbourne trade. Um, <laughs> 
And we've had some really nice support in some pockets like Geelong and Mornington. So um, Restaurant Inu was always a great supporter. And over in Mornington, 10 Minutes by Tractor and Jackalope. And the guys at the Red Hill Wine Wine Collective are big Shannon fans. So we're also big fans of Shannon. um, And they've been great supporters of that too. Well, the sommelier, obviously, at um, 10 Minutes by Tractor, who's leaving, is it Xavier? Um, yes, I think that's correct. Yeah, like he's, he's great to follow on Instagram because he's he's an awesome som. I don't know where he's going and what he's doing, but he's really – I mean, the wines there are obviously fantastic and the restaurant's great, but he's put them on the map for high-end, top-level service when it comes to we, – we started the show talking about sommeliers, so it's probably not a bad way to mm, kind of – nice little bookend there. Yeah, I like that. But um, so growing up in the Riverland, Nick, what was that like? And what was on the farm? Uh, well, it was joyful. Um, our farm, well, the, the house was at the, the top of a hill and it was 600 metres down the hill with your feet off the pedals to the local primary school. <laughs> and um, coming home was not so easy. I was just going to say, it's a, it's a homecoming. <laughs> Mum, <laughs> come pick me up. Can you bring the ute down and chuck my bike in the back? <laughs> but then about another 100 metres past that was the River Murray. So I was lucky enough to have a dinghy and I'd putter around in that and fishing all the time. And I had a mate that lived on a lagoon that had a little sailing catamaran and I had a windsurfer and canoes. and So it was very centred around the river and um, growing on the farm. So we had a block of... Um, Gordos or Muscat of Alexandria, if you want to be posh, um, just in front of the house. And then it, then it was an array of citrus down towards the river. So we grew tangelos and mandarins and Washington navels and valencias. And then behind the house, we had a couple of acres of avocados. Oh, right. <laughs> Pretty much everything then. I mean- well, that, that was certainly the Riverland way to always have a bit of a mix. Yeah. Um, one, so you had income through the year, but I guess a bit of hedging so that if yeah. you had a problem with one, you're okay on the other. And how would you describe how the Riverland has changed over the years? Because now you're starting to see, you know, some smaller, cool kind of producers doing some smaller batch kind of cool stuff from there, right? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I was lucky. I grew, I grew up with, with two ends of the spectrum. So Robert Mins from Bonnyview, who started very small in the Riverland um, with Petit Vidot, and he also had a cold room, so he could hand-pick everything, put it in the cold room overnight, and then press it cold the next day. Yeah. Um, and then, But my other next-door neighbours were the Miller and Ellis family with Kingston Estate, and so their winery now, I think, is over 100,000 tonnes. Um <laughs> So they, they were my next-door neighbours that used to walk me down to primary school. They're a lovely, lovely, lovely um, first-generation Australian Greek family. Um, so, But I think one of the really good things about the Riverland is that because it's dry, desert, you can grow things organically, biodynamically, minimal spraying quite easily. Yeah. Um, mm. And so you have the opportunity to do some really good hands-off things and, and and starting to see these proper Mediterranean varieties back in there, although there was always Grenache and a few other things and the port varieties, but it's really good to see people like Ricotera Farms and Basham Vineyards doing things with, I guess, new wave varieties with their hands off 
the grape growing. So yeah. it's re- I'm really proud to see that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, there are quite a lot of organic vineyards there, and I think that's a that's a great thing. Uh, when you're looking at buying fruit now, so you're talking about a hundred thousand tons. How many tons are you? How many tons did you press this year, mate? Did you get to ten? Um, oh, oh no, yeah, we got over ten. We're we're we're, we're still in the teens, though, Richard. We're not <laughs> quite grown up. Um, so we we were, we were just hovering around eighteen. Right. Um, that's this good. Year, so yeah, so we we we. We're sustainably growing, I'm hoping. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Um, how did you get from, was it Riverland to McLaren Vale? What was the next step for you? Yeah, well, we sold our farm in the 80s. Um, my mum remarried and we moved down to Adelaide and, and sold sold the original farm that I grew up on. Um, but then we got into grape growing in a partnership in McLaren Vale. Um and so we were, there was only a break of a few years from, of, of growing grapes and we got back into growing grapes down there. And then I ended up working in hospitality in Adelaide um, and getting quite, I do have to apologise to your former guest, Peter Gago, that maybe in the 90s he may have left a bottle of Grange behind at a restaurant <laughs> I worked at and it may not have quite made it back. Not returned to we, sender, you reckon? It was not returned to sender and we may, we may have we may have consumed it during a lock-in one night after work. So I'm it's sorry. pretty good lock-in. <laughs> That's very funny. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he'll funny. laugh at that too. Um, yes, yes, we were lucky. We we were lucky to have a lot of winemakers coming through the places we were working. Yeah, so yeah, we were very we were very well looked after as keen keen young people into wine. So, I've got it somewhere in the back of my head. An anecdote's popped in about Sia. Was there something? Did she come and sing at your pub or something, or you knew her or something? That, or? that same that same pub, the yeah. Oxford Hotel in North Adelaide. Yeah, which is a cracking um, place. Yeah, it was a great little place, and Peter used to be in there all the time, and a lot of other winemakers. It was, it was actually the, 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 the it was the Wild Turkey Club headquarters of of, of Australia. Um, so we used to have lots of Orlando Wyndham guys in, um, and and Peter Gaga. But yeah, Wednesday Wednesday nights was Sarah McLeod from, um, oh. and uh, and Sunday nights we used to have a band called Crispin. So the lead singer then was was Sarah. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, we had a we had a, we had. Excellent winemaking opportunity or drinking opportunities and cracking music as well, all in this little pub in North Adelaide. It was great. Yeah. Well, there's, yeah. Some, there's always been really good pubs there. I used to go to the Royal Oak. I used to, uh, the, the Exeter is yeah. a cracking pub. Oh, uh, yes. In yes. Adelaide itself in Rundle Street. Yes, a lot of stories and a lot of trouble can be had at the <laughs> Drinking ponies of Krug. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I, I do remember finishing uni and, and thankfully Mr Nick Brown was the, um, was the generous benefactor of quite a lot of Krug that, um, after we finished uni. That, um, they're good, so it's good to have those pubs still around too. Well, yeah, I grew up in Canberra. We didn't have pubs in Canberra. Uh, there literally were no proper pubs. It just didn't happen. No. Historically, the town was too young yeah. for that sort of thing. But then you move to Sydney and there's proper pubs. And then they all turned into pokey joints and it wasn't so nice. Mm. So at least we've <laughs> still got some nice pubs. Um, and then to jump into the, the next phase, was it Darrenberg next or was there something happened in between for you? Oh, a little bit of in between. So I was working in restaurants in Adelaide and then I got asked to go and run the International Wine Challenge in London. 
um, which is the world's biggest wine competition. Yeah, so right. mm. that was that was wrapped up with a couple of drinks magazines. So I went and worked there for a couple of years, which was awesome. Which I that was really my learning of the yeah. world of wine and to have a more wide, I guess, view of things rather than just the Australian centric view. Yeah. But yeah, I got to drink some of the great wines of the world mm, with some of the great people. So how, how long did it take to put that together each year? The whole year. Really? Wow. <laughs> the, whole, the whole year. It was quite an extraordinary event. And back then we had a budget of zero pounds for space. So we used to go and have to find a building that had three floors, one floor to store the wine, one floor for the restaurant um, to feed the judges who weren't paid, and um, one floor for the tasting. So, and how, so how did you go about getting the first set of judges for that then? Like, what was it, you, you know, is there going to be, what was in it for them, you know? Well, I guess it was to taste wines from all around the world mm. and, to be, and to be involved in it. I guess times have changed now, but back yeah. then people were... It was, people were gracious with their time. Yeah. And and the people behind the Wine Challenge and Wine magazine was Robert Joseph, Charles Metcalf, who were very, very held in high regard in the UK trade and judges mm. like Oz Clark. And so people used to gravitate towards these guys because they were the forefront of looking beyond France to what was available in the world of wine. Yeah, mm. okay. What yeah. was the – what era are we talking? What year? Uh, we're talking turn of the century, so that was ninety nine through two thousand and one. I was there. It was amazing time. Yeah. What What was the Aussie contingent like? How How strong would that have been? Uh, it was pretty strong. Um, the Poms thought we were a little bit sort of shouty and noisy, um, <laughs> but we were shouty. pretty confident. In, we were pretty confident in where we were coming from, and thought we had a pretty good grounding of knowing what good wine was, and maybe that there was more space for Australia to shine as a super premium region rather than just supermarket yeah. wine. Yeah, yeah. Well, we see, was it a couple of weeks ago, Ethereal Grenache won the trophy for best Grenache at the International Wine. It's a little Dan Murphy's wine there and it came yeah. second for the Jimmy Watson and wow. it's like, you know, so the, the supermarket wine's still kind of out there, but um, I guess the super premium thing would bring you into Darrenberg, was that it? I was doing a little bit of um, writing and TV when I was working for the French consulting company and um, I'd known Chester for a long time and mum knew Darry from being in a tasting group with him and um, so when the opportunity came up to work with Darenberg, it was, yeah, it was something that I jumped into. Mm. So it was a, co- a combo of winemaking and talking, which I quite enjoyed. <laughs> we, uh, we love having Chester on the show. He's always... Um Entertaining, it's hilarious. Um, he, what, what's he like to work for or, or work with? He would have been entertaining to say the least. I would have imagined. Um, uh, it was a, it was a sort of an equal equal dosing of mad, maddening, and <laughs> incredible, and, and and just in just incredible. It was it, the the great thing that I the, the thing that I admire most about Chester is that anything is possible. Yep. Yeah, right. You get that sense, don't you? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, yeah. Does he did has he come into the studio ever, Simon? Does he still wear the shirts everywhere? Is that He still wears the shirts, yeah. but um no, he hasn't been I haven't managed to get him while he's been over here, but yeah. that's um yeah, something we need to Well, I didn't, change. I didn't I didn't I'd never met him and I was running the 
Celador at Tarawara, and this guy in the shirt and the hair comes in. I was like, that's got to be, it's got to be him, you know. And he t- sort of, I said, oh, you know, um, would you like to taste some wines? And he's like, yeah, I'd love to taste some wines. So we went through them, and I was like, um, a bit different to the ones that you make, <laughs> you know. Just sort of thinking, is it him? I didn't know. I was, yeah. And he was, he was very gracious and um, very complimentary. Uh, you, Nick, with your time there, you did a lot of travel, didn't you? What was the, what was the actual job? Uh, well, the job title was winemaker and brand ambassador. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I spent a lot of time North America, especially at that time, was very important for, for Darenberg then, um, and a fair bit of time in Asia. Um, so China, Singapore, Hong Kong. Um, I've, 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 I heard Vietnam mentioned earlier, and, yeah, there were some, some incredible dinners in Vietnam of, of um, some people doing a lot of showy drinking. So, yeah, no, it was, it was, it was great times. So it was, yeah, get your hands dirty during vintage and then a lot of time on the road and a lot of time lunching at Darius, Darius Veranda, which was a, an absolute privilege of the mm. job. Yeah, total perk, Wimby, absolutely. Yeah. Um, was he was he talking about the cube back when you were there? Yes. <laughs> so every every morning there was a little model that he'd made up um, in in the office that we shared. There were three of us that lived in 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 an old cottage, and that's where all the tasting used to take place. And um, in that in the tasting room was a little model of the cube. So, yeah, he was he was dreaming of it early, mm-hmm. and um, good on him for making it a reality. Yeah, oh, it's it's totally. such a such a gift for the region. I reckon. I mean, yeah, I was out at um, Thousand Candles kicking the dirt around with Stuart Proud the other week, and when that Thousand Candles project started, and it was, so it was Bill and. You know, they were talking about doing something similar. So we're talking 2011, and they got Frank Gehry to sign off on building something, uh, you know, out in the Yarra Valley in Gruyere, and that would have been like the Cube. Now, Frank Gehry designed Disney Hall and, um, you know, the paper bag building in Sydney, but his most oh, famous yeah. one is that incredible hotel that's right next to um, Marquez de Rizcal, in La Rioja. You would have visited that, I imagine, because I, I visited it, and it's just incredible. I did. When I, was, when I visited um, Rioja, and I was lucky enough to be taken there for a, for a, for a, glass, of, a glass of Rioja, and under, I mean, what an incredible... It, that sort of architecture just blows my mind. Oh, yeah. Somebody could, could, could have that vision in their head and then turn it into a reality. Yeah. is um, quite extraordinary. Do you know what's happening with the cube at the moment? Because they're doing a bit of a re a rethink, aren't they? Or there's uh, I'm not sure, but I am actually going to McLaren Vale next week because um, you're talking about Grenache earlier. I was offered a few tons of Blue Springs dry grown Grenache nice. um, this year, and so we've 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 made some. So I'm going over to have a look at it and see how it's progressing. Mm. Yeah, um, so, yeah, I'll probably stick my head in and say day to the guys at, at Tarenberg and see what's happening with the cube. I'm not sure whether the restaurant has reopened yet yeah. or not, um, but I know that Darry's Veranda, which is my old favourite restaurant, um, the original um, restaurant, is Pete and Joe there doing an awesome job and always worth visiting. Mm. Um, now, so speaking of visiting, if we... Uh, making our way over to Margaret River. Um, obviously, we can now, which is you know, a huge revelation. Um, 
can we come and visit? And is it by appointment? How, how does that all work for you? Yeah, well, we don't have a cellar door as such, but we're always happy to catch up with people when they're around. So mm-hmm. they can get in touch via the website. And, um, of course, you can buy vines via the website. We've, we've got yep. a, a, nice, a nice set of customers in Victoria that we love sending wine to. Um, but, yeah, if you're over this way, just get in touch via the website and we can, we can organise a catch-up. And we're running a little short on time. This is Nick James Martin from Wines of Merit. But, Nick, um, just run us quickly through what you've got uh, currently for sale. Yeah, currently for sale. So our gist is low intervention, so everything's wild ferments and unfined and unfiltered. So we we want to be true to the texture of the grapes and the place. Um, So at the moment we've got um, a little bit of whole bunchy syrah, some William Brup Cabernet. We've got some Old Vine Shannon, which is a bit of a house favourite. Oh, it's mm-hmm. such a good um, one. And then we just released a new set of wines, a Blanc, a Rosé and a Rouge. So we've got a Semillon through Shannon skins. Um, oh, cool. Syrah Rosé with a seasoning of Gewürz. Um, so mm. nice and spicy and lifted. And also, when Gags was talking about the Great Australian Red, mm. we've made a blend of about half Rosa Brooks, a nice cool climate Syrah, and with combo with um, William Brup Cabernet. So that's our yeah, cool. wine Merit Rouge. Which I don't know, we might we might have to have a look at this great Australian red competition and maybe <laughs> slip an entry in and see how we go with with our approach versus the big the big bold and ballsy Penfolds and Yolumba signatures. That that wine to me, and I haven't had a crack at these yet, but that sounds to me like half an hour in the fridge and bang it out like that. Just just really slurpable and mm-hmm. you know. Crunchy, oh, there's another word. I'm a fan after my own heart, Richard. Oh, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, if you haven't had your, your, your red wines in your Eurocarb or whatever, sorry, whatever brand it may be, yeah. fridge, yeah. Um, slipping them into your, 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 next to the milk for half an hour in your, in your kitchen fridge, mm. it, just, it just gets them right in a lovely, lovely spot for drinking. Yeah. Mm. Agreed, and wipes out Good of the tip. fridge for half an hour as well. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. It's like we're on the same page. With you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we did work together for a brief period. It wasn't. It wasn't <laughs> long enough. But I do remember. I was at. We were at Provine one year, and I was still at Jacobs Creek. And I think you might have been Stella Bella. I can't remember. I think I might have. Yeah. Been and but all of these old, all these, you know really important people from the trade, like Joe Wadzak, they're all walk past and he could be like, oh, you've got to come and meet this guy. I was, you know, so, I mean, you're a well-connected man who's travelled extensively around the world, done a lot of wine stuff. Um, I mean, you, you, basically your whole career's been in it. So, I mean, it's it's a it's a testament to you, mate. I, I have great love for you as a mate, but I have a great healthy respect for you as a mentor as well. Oh, thanks very much, Richard. It's very, <laughs> very kind. And I do look, I do look forward to catching up Yep. in a few weeks in, in Melbourne. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Yeah. Um, Nick, thank you. It's been great to hear the story and um, and all of the stories around, you know, along your journey. It's um, it's fascinating. So Wines of Merit, um, M-E-R-R-I-T-T. So M-E-R-R-I-T-T. Um, those wines, they sound really interesting. Get a mixed box and get it sent over here maybe. Great. Thank you very much, Simon, and thanks, Richo, for having me on the show.